good to uh, be together with you this morning. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Mark. I'm just grateful to have the chance to share with you either in this room or uh, if you're watching online. Uh, glad that you're able to take part in, uh, in, in our time together. And um, last week we started a, a new series, and so today is part two of that series. But because there was so much information on this topic, it's kind of better described as part one of part two, and uh, we'll finish that all up next week uh, with, with this. But uh, rather than have a three-hour sermon, and everybody was like, amen. All right, so it's Remembrance Day weekend. Remembrance Day weekend, we remember, you see the poppies all around, and just we have the chance to remember something that most of us never experienced, uh, to remember the high cost of war, and to remember the benefit that we have, that we live in every single day, not realizing always the cost that, uh, that, it, that it has. Uh, we have the chance to remember those who have served our country with their lives, gave their lives for our country, those who serve our country uh, even today, uh, the cost of freedom grateful for that. I hope over this weekend you take a chance to, to just ponder that for a little bit, the gratitude that we have for those who've given their lives so we don't have to experience war. A friend of mine, C-Pan, he was here last night. He's a refugee sponsored from Iraq, and he would show me videos of what it was like when he was living in the refugee camps there, and he was really sick, and they came into his tent and said, get up, get up, C-Pan, you got to go, and he's like, I'm too sick, and like, you got to go, and they grabbed his hand, and they dragged him out of his tent. He's videotaping. He's like, I don't know what's going on, but people running everywhere, and right behind his tent, you just watch a bomb go off, and thinking, man, like, we don't experience that in our country, and we're Need to be grateful for that, to remember, to just to simply remember the high cost of freedom. And as we look at our text uh, from last week and this week, the thought is too that Paul was writing to the Ephesian believers and to us as well to be reminded of the fact that we are in a battle. We might not be in war as a country, but every single one of us is in a wrestling match in a battle every single day. He says it's not a physical battle. It's not something that it's, you know, a flesh and blood fight. You're not fighting against people. Sometimes you think you are. Oh, that person's, you know, there's there's, uh, tension. But he says that's not really what you're fighting against. He says behind everything that you see is a world you can't see. And it is is more powerful than the world you do see. But he lets us in into uh, a look inside that world. And he basically tells... The believers then, and the same today, you're fighting against strongholds in the mind. There's battles between the ears. There's a battle going on here every single day. There's thoughts that come in that are going to try and raise themselves up against truth, against the knowledge of God. And that battle is happening for our mind and for the minds of others. We'll talk a little bit more about the others next week, but today I just want to focus on our minds. And my question this morning for you is this, in the end, will you be left standing? In the end, after the battle, will you still be standing? So let's take a look at our text, Ephesians chapter 6, written by a man named Paul who was not a Jesus follower for most of his life uh, or the early part of his life. Then uh, he actually hated uh, Christians, would kill them, thinking he was doing God a service. And then Jesus grabbed his heart and changed his life in a, in a, in a radical way. And he went on to uh, tell everyone he could about this this man, Jesus, this, this God-man who saved him. And he began to start these gatherings called, uh, we call them churches. They call them just gatherings. And uh, he was writing a letter to this group who he knew well. And he said this, a final word, which was the idea of from now on. I was going to sing the song, you know, from now on and rewrite all the lyrics. But I've got a man cold, so we're just not going to. A final word, be strong in the Lord uh, and in his mighty power. 
From now on, I want to be strong in him. This is not like, oh, okay, cool, let's do that for Sunday morning, and then tomorrow, uh, what, what, what do we, he's like, that's this ongoing, from now on, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all God's kind of armor, so you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Just remember that word, strategies. He says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Though they're unseen, they're mighty powers in this dark world. And we're fighting against evil spirits in heavenly places. And because of that, he says, therefore, since that's true, he says, put on every piece of God's armor. As we look at the different pieces that are described over the next couple of weeks, he's like, put on all of them, not just, you know, not just one or an, another. Uh, it's, he's like that idea of put on, like you put on clothes, put it all on. Like you did this morning, you all put on every piece of clothing you're wearing, and we're grateful that you did. Um, but that is that same idea that you would intentionally put, realize I'm putting this on. He says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after the battle, you will still be standing firm. The idea is not that you're to take ground. Jesus took the ground for us. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. You took me out of the, the, the clay and you sat me on the rock. And he's what he's done for every Jesus follower here this morning. But he's saying now you've you got to stay standing there. I put you there, but now you've got to stand there. And here's how. You better be ready because your enemy hasn't given up on you yet. He hasn't given up on trying to destroy your life. He hasn't given up on trying to take you out. He hasn't trying, given up on putting doubt in your mind so that you, you, you walk away from your salvation and from your Savior. He's never given up. Even though he's been defeated, his, his final defeat is not, has not arrived. He's not given up. But Paul says to the believers, put on all that armor so that after those battles, you're standing firm. In verse 14, he says, after you've done everything to stand, which is once you've put on all that armor, he says, well, then stand, stand your ground, putting on, and then he begins to describe and putting on the belt of truth uh, which, and the body armor of God's righteousness. Just want to focus on the belt of truth this morning. He simply says, gird yourself. It doesn't really mention a belt. It's not like, you know, like maybe you remember, you know, dad's belt from back in the day when they were allowed to spank you. You know, you were bad, out came black beauty and you were, you know, you were corrected. Uh, or, you know, the, the cowboy belts with their massive buckles and your, whatever you want to picture it. It basically is the idea of gird yourself with this thing called truth. And it's, it's just a mental picture of saying you're going to need truth against the strategies of the devil. The strategies of the devil involve something that requires you to have truth that, you've, that you're wearing it, that you've girded yourself with it, that you've intentionally made yourself aware of truth. So John, who was an eyewitness follower of Jesus, he followed Jesus around, which is just incredible that we have eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. He heard Jesus say things, he, heard, he saw Jesus do things, and he wrote these things down. In John 8, he writes, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with some people who want to kill him. That's got to be an awkward conversation. And he says to them, you know, you think you, you, you're seeking truth, he says, or you think you are. But he says, but you're actually not. And in the conversation, he lets them know and us know about our enemy, the enemy that's unseen. He lets us know what he's like. John 8, he's telling these people who want to kill him. He's like, you're actually of your father, the devil. That's not a good thing to say to somebody who's trying to kill you. But he tells them, you're, you're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father is what you want to do. He's a murderer from the beginning. Here's a little bit of what he's like. And he says, he doesn't stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. It's the opposite of truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources because he's a liar. And he's the father of all lies. 
verse 45, he says, but because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. He's saying this idea of truth, if you're, if you're not willing to hold on to truth, it shows a different spirit on the inside that's at work. He says, man, that, that, that your enemy's lying to you all the time. He can't tell you anything that is true. He just doesn't have it in him. But he'll lie all the time. And one of the strategies of your enemy is that he's going to lie in, in here every opportunity that he has. And so what kind of armor do you have to combat those lies? What kind of armor do you have right now? to combat the lies that are going through your brain space every single day. And Paul's saying, listen, you better gird up with some truth. You better know truth so that when the lies come through, you know that they're lies. You recognize the strategies and they don't take you out. Why? Why does it matter? Because he's a clever little liar. Our enemy is a clever little liar. He knows just what to say to you that you'll, that you'll, that you'll believe. He veils lies in, in truth. You know, the greatest lies are the ones that are almost true. You'll learn that if you're parenting teenagers. <laughs> it's that, that little bit of stuff that they don't tell you. You know, the, the, the things that are, are close. You know, the greatest lies are the ones closest to the truth. And even in the beginning with Adam and Eve, what, what, was, his, what was his strategy with Eve? You know, did, did God really say? Oh, I know God says this, but did he, really, did he really mean that you can't eat from all the trees in the, in the garden? Well, no, that's not what God said. God said, we can't eat from this tree. There's, there's this one thing of, of obedience. And, and he's like, oh, did God really say? Well, no, and he, and he ends up connivingly tricking mankind into treason, into saying, I want to be God instead of having God as God. And man, what a, what a price we've paid ever since. But... These things begin with a single thought, but they don't stay as a single thought. That's why it's so important that we recognize when a lie comes in as a single thought, because it leads to something. Paul calls them strongholds. It's, it's how it works. You, you have a thought that enters your mind. If you don't deal with that thought, it becomes a pattern of thinking. And that pattern of thinking, if it's been there long enough, it becomes a stronghold, and it just it automatically affects the way that you live your life. Here's an example of one of those things. Anybody got a fear of spiders? Look at that thing. How many of you would love to just be holding one of those in your hand today? Some of you know, no, it's like, get it off the screen. Huh? What is it about a spider that, for some, and, and we'll just, you know, for others who have different fears, but this idea that a spider, something like this small, can actually cause a grown adult's voice to change. Ah! You know, to, for a grown adult to think, oh, this thing has more power than me and call in others to rescue them. Reese, Link, Max, Finn, come rescue me. Your dad won't help us. What is that, what is that thing that makes something so small feel like it has more power over you than it, than it really does? You believe that a spider has more power than you have. There's something going on in the mind that isn't true isn't true. And that's what a stronghold is. We need to be able to recognize the thought that is not, that is not true and recognize where truth needs to, to discern those lies and say no to the voices in our heads that don't need to be there. And yeah, you all have voices in your heads. For some of you, are like, oh, phew. Everyone has voices in their heads? Oh, that's good. Yeah, if you've got three or so, you're good. If you have four, you need to make an appointment with somebody. But we all have them. The voice of the Lord speaking in our, in our minds, either drawing us to salvation or encouraging us in truth as Jesus followers. 
You know, you've got your own voice in your head telling you all kinds of stuff. And then you also have the enemy's voice in your head. You need to know which is which. How do you determine which is which? How do you recognize when it's the enemy's voice and, and not the Lord's or not your own? Because he's clever. He'll make it sound like it's good for you. And yet he's out to destroy you. One of the enemy's strategies is simply this. It's TLC. TLC, you know, not like the TV show or whatever it is. They, just to remember these three thoughts. He's going to tempt you, then he's going to lie to you, and then he's going to condemn you. And then he's going to repeat. He'll tempt you saying, ah, that thing, oh, you really want it. You know you do. Yeah, you know you want that. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I think I do want that. And then the thought comes in, says, oh, no, you don't want that. That's going to hurt you. And, and all of a sudden, the lie is the next thought. No, that's not going to hurt you. You can handle it. You're good. Go at just this once. You're good. And then you go. And as soon as you, as soon as you take that step, all of a sudden, condemnation. Look at you, you loser. What, 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 what's wrong with you? And it begins to pile on these thoughts. You know, our culture does the same thing because it's ruled by that uh, enemy. It baits you and then chastises you after. It's the bait and switch routine. It sounds like a great deal until it isn't. It's like fishing. You know, if fishing is the fish see the lure and they're like, oh, look at that shiny thing. It looks great. But what's right behind it? The hook. The hook, and every time, you know, even for us, it's those things that, wow, that looks great, until the hook. And our culture does it. Our culture is going to do it to you over the next couple of weeks, I can promise you. Because our culture will try and bait you into spend, 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 buy, 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 buy happiness for you. Or, you know what, here's a picture of a child so happy at Christmas. This could be your child if you just buy, buy, buy. Amazon, uh, the little ads will start coming up all over your screen about what to buy, what to spend. It's amazing how our culture does this. Encourage you to spend, spend, spend. And then as soon as you get to the spot where you've overspent, they chastise you. What's wrong with you? You declare bankruptcy. They look down their nosey. What's wrong with you? Yeah, but you're the ones who baited me to do it and then chastise you afterwards. They bait our, our young people and older people, you know, to think of yourselves as just sexual beings, to dress provocatively and as, you know, as, as sensual as you can. And then all of a sudden when you go too far and, and, and you know, take that next step down that path, all of a sudden they, they, they turn on you. It's like, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're the young woman who wears all these shameful names. High school, wherever you find it, slud, whatever they call you. It was like, yeah, they baited you and then all of a sudden chastise you for actually doing it. You know, the, the thought of baiting you to be cool, you know, have a, <laughs> be cool, have one beer, become the life of the party. And then they shun you when you become an alcoholic. They're like, what's wrong with you? How come you couldn't handle it? They bait you to take, you know, one cigarette, one puff, you know, oh, hey, you know, it's uh, uh, just fit in with the rest of us. And then our society limits you to where you're allowed to smoke. Here, try it, try it, try it. You don't realize that now you're going to have to stay in these other spots. It's always the bait and it's always the switch. And it's, it says these things are going on in our minds all the time. Paul says you've got to be armored up. You just got to be ready for these attacks, these lies that come through your mind. Because there are all kinds of different things. Do you realize you can't believe everything you read? You can't believe everything you hear, even if it's your friends telling you? You can't believe everything that you think because they're not all your thoughts. Now, you know, you know, you can't believe everything that you, um, that you read or see. The shopping channel is proof of that. The shopping channel or anything that they sell. Any, anybody from the olden days remember any of these things? Like the Abflex? Anybody remember this gizmo? This was like five minutes a day and you can have great abs. It looks, I don't know, like a Star Wars thing gone wrong. And then for the women, there was this. I think it's for women, the thigh master, you know. 
Do you remember this thing? It was like just five minutes a day, you know, and, and, and you'll look like Suzanne Summers, And it's like all these things that were just the, the lies of, of uh, you know, you believing this. But the truth is, you know, even today with Bowflex and whatever, I, I better be careful what ads I promote here. We're online. But uh, all those things, the, the truth really is in, in, you know, five weeks, it's all going to be on Kijiji. So if you're like thinking about, you know, man, in the new year, I'm going to get in shape. Let me just tell you a little secret. Don't make your new year's resolution on January 1st. Make it February 1st because you'll be able to buy all that stuff for half price. So why? Because it works for all of us. You can't believe everything you read. We live in a, in a day and age of fake news. Fake news everywhere. It's like, well, if it's on the internet, it must be true. If someone wrote it, it must be true. You know, and then the ever famous fake book where everyone else's life is just way better than yours. You look at it and think, oh man, they must, <laughs> look, look what they drive, look where they live, look at their vacations. You know, I just see their suntan knees and, and the beach, and I'm just like, man, that, why can't that be me? You know, where they look, wow, look what they eat for dinner every night. Chicken cordon bleu. Look at their children sitting around the table all smiling together. How come I can't have a family like that? Because you just didn't take half an hour to bribe your children into smiling to get that one photo so you could post it online. Someone told me last night that there's, there's a, a third of, of people would admit to purchasing something just so that they can take a selfie of it to put it on their social media. Just so that people might think and not realizing that the likes are fake, everything's fake. Can't, you, know, you can't believe everything that you see and read. You can't believe everything you think. Did you realize you can't believe or trust everything that goes through your mind? We, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you've got a voice going all the time in your mind, this idea of self-talk. It's this voice that's always, always going. It's a conversation always going in your head. Most of the time, it's negative. The majority of it's negative. We've got to be careful with listening to that voice or pondering that, those thoughts all the time. Negativity, anxiety, worry, man, those things just go and go and go. And, and things like fear, like we said with the spider, this is no, there's nothing, nothing should be stopping you from walking up and stomping that spider. But what is it? It's the voice. It's going, it's going, it's going. It's fear, false evidence appearing real is what that is. False evidence appearing real, it's not. But if it appears so real, it affects, it affects your life. You know, it's things like this. You know, the, the, man, the, the man cold or the flu bugs going around and you hear it. You hear that said and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I start feeling the symptom. I think I got it already. I mean, it's, it's just it's right there. You know, or head lice, you know, the head lice going around, all of a sudden you're like, oh, like itchy. You know, you start, <laughs> or somebody walks up to you in the summer, Bob would do this to me all the time, and just like pick a fake tick off you, but then all of a sudden, you know it's there. <laughs> right? So, like, we know it's there. We know the voice is there. We don't realize that in those things, it's, it's not as damaging, but in others, man, is it ever damaging? Because the problem is, if, if we don't have the armor in the mind, what happens is it begins to, begins to come out of our mouth. When, our, the, when there's not truth in our mind, it, we begin to speak things that are not true, and people will say the craziest things, and all you're doing is you're letting everyone else know that uh, you ain't got your belt on. You're letting other people know you don't have the belt of truth on. And, and I, hear, I hear crazy things. I was saying last night, I wish people could just be in my shoes just for, you know, a day, just to hear some of the things people will say to you because they think you're a pastor. You know, they'll say things like, you know, I really, I deserve this. I remember a guy telling me saying, you know, I deserve this nice car because I've never had a nice car. And I'm sitting here thinking, you only deserve that car if you had a job. 
And I'm listening to him convince himself that he's about to make this great decision when I can tell, man, you don't have the belt of truth on in this moment because you're about to get yourself into payments and you're going to be wishing you hadn't done this years from now. I've heard others where a guy is saying, you know, just giving up on his marriage, saying, uh, you know, I probably deserve to be divorced. I'm like, but you're not yet. You know, why not begin to fight for your marriage? Why not begin to do things now you're not there yet? But oh uh, no, I guess I deserve that. That's where I'm. That's where I'm headed. And just begin walking down that path. Why? Because they don't have the belt on. They don't have the belt on. You know, this one too. You know, people at the church—they're judging me. I can just tell. I'm like, what have they said? Oh, nothing. But I can see it in their eyes. <laughs> no, you can't. The problem is the belt of truth isn't in action right now. And you're allowing that thought process to go through your mind. Well, I don't feel welcome at this church. They're all looking at me. I know they're all thinking thoughts about me. Can I just tell you, most people are so selfish. They're only thinking about themselves anyways. They're not thinking about you. We had a, we had a gal the other night at the um, volunteer dinner. And she was, um, she was at the dinner. And she just she was says, you know, I was going to leave. Because like nobody was talking to me. It was like they didn't even know me. And, and she felt kind of bad about that. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to leave. And then all of a sudden, she realized she dyed her hair and was almost unrecognizable to the rest of us. And we're like, it's that. You know, it's those things. But how does that thought process jump in? She stayed. And it was all good. But that's that voice going in our minds. You know, and it gets to other spots where all of a sudden this belt of truth isn't there. And you begin to, you begin to assume things like, well, God told me this. Or God said this, and so this is, this is truth. Can I tell you something? If you're going to say God said something, you better be darn sure it's God. And if it doesn't match up in his words, it's not him. It's not him. There's, he will never contradict what he says in his word. I don't care how much feelings you have when it happens. The enemy's dropping lies in your mind and veiling him in the, uh, the, the words of God, but they'll lead you to destruction. Like everybody's like real quiet all of a sudden. You know, sometimes people ask me, you know, God said, God said this, God said this to me, but what do you think? I'm like, if God said it, why do you need my opinion? But that's what we learned as children, right? You know, hey, uh, dad, mom said it's okay if you say it's okay. Did mom ever really mean it was okay? No, but I'm looking for another, ex- I'm looking for an excuse. Somebody tell me, somebody spiritual tell me that this is okay. You know, God, God wants me to be happy. So I'm, you know, I'm leaving that marriage. God does not want you to be happy. That's not his primary concern for your life. But you'll talk yourself into it and you'll walk away from marriage. And as a reason, man, like dangerous, dangerous, you know, things like, oh, you know, <laughs> I know somewhere in the Bible says something, but, but, you know, thoughts like God wants me to date an unbeliever or God wants me to date a married person. I'm like, man, are you like, do you not hear what's really going on in your mind? And the truth is that sometimes we don't simply because the belt of truth is not, is not there. And they throw wisdom to the wind, not realizing that God also wrote Proverbs. And then that other last thought, it's just like the enemy's voice himself. Did God really say, and it comes out of people's mouths, I know it's somewhere in the Bible, but did God really say that dot, dot, dot is a sin? That creeps into the church like crazy. We're going to talk about it a bit more next week. Did God, does God really does God really think that, you know, love's just love. Everybody should just be able to love each other. Is that really a sin? Does God really say that, you know, he can't, can't uh, cohabitate, shouldn't have sex before marriage? But does he really mean that? 
man, there's so many things that we just, it's that, it's that, that battle for the mind that we lose when we don't set our minds on truth. And why? Why should we care? Why should we care what God says about anything? Here's, here's a thought for us. You know, God's the beginning and the end. So he knows how the beginning of a, how, how the decision that you're making right now, he's the only one who knows the end of it. So when he warns us and says, hey, you need to forgive, it's because he knows that the end of unforgiveness is destruction for us. And he says, hey, you need to, whatever it may be, dot, dot, dot. It's because he knows the end. He knows the end. Our culture, though, suppresses truth all the time, tries to say, ah, we don't think that's true. And those are the lies coming in our brains all the time. So we need something on the inside that's going to test that, test the thoughts that are coming through. And, he's, and Paul's saying, armor up, get the belt of truth on so as the thoughts come through your mind, you've got something that says, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm going to believe that. No, that's not true. You know, that's not the way it is. You know, it, it happens to me all the time. Like even now as I'm here, they're going through. There's like, oh, there's visitors here this morning. People are looking at me kind of funny after what I just said. You know, I'm like, I wonder if they like it. I wonder if they're going to come back. And the belt of truth kicks in. I'm like, you know what? They'd like me. We're good. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Regardless of whether they do, he does. He does. We need the belt of truth on in the, in the thing. And so just to wrap today up this morning, uh, truth, John's account as John wrote the account of the life of Jesus, he focused on that word truth more than any of the other, um, more than any of the other gospel writers. He wrote about truth so much, uh, probably about five times more. Here, here's some of the things that, that John said. John 1.14, again, eyewitness. He says, you know how I describe Jesus? Jesus was full of grace and truth in John 1.14. John 1.17, he says, you know, truth, truth actually came through Jesus. It was his words of truth that brought truth to this planet. John 8, 45, he was telling, you know, in that conversation we read, Jesus would speak truth. And just because people didn't like it didn't mean it wasn't truth. Verse John 14, verse 6, he'd actually said, I am the truth. I am the truth. You want to know truth? Know me. I am the truth. John 16, he said, you know, when I'm not here, I'm going to send my spirit, the spirit of truth, who will lead you and guide you into all truth. If you're a Jesus follower here this morning, you have that on the inside. You have him on the inside. John 17 talks about Jesus praying for you. And what did he pray? Father, cleanse them with your truth. And he says, your word is truth. Your word is truth. John 18, as he stood before Pilate, being wrongfully condemned, Pilate asks him, you know, are, are you a king? He says, yeah, you know, I, I, if I was, I am a king, but not the type of kingdom you're thinking about. He's like, well, why are you here? And Jesus tells Pilate one of the reasons he was here. He said, I came to testify and bear witness of the truth. I came to bear witness and tell you this is what is true. He's like, well, how do we know we can even trust what Jesus says is true? If someone can predict their own death and resurrection and then do it, they speak the truth. They speak the truth. God raised a man from the dead to prove that he is who he said he was. That he's the son of God. He's not a mere man, a mere mortal. His words carry more weight than anything. They are true. And here's what Jesus said in John 8. In how you put on the belt of truth, John 8, 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. In verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. How are you going to know truth? How, you, how do you put on the belt? It's not like you wake up in the morning and be like, well, as I put on my pants, I'm going to also put on my belt of truth. I'm good for the day. He's like, no. He's like, you need to abide in the word. 
You need to spend time. I love how many people are in the Bible studies here. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. That's my passion. I don't care how many people sit in chairs here. Our, our, our success, if there's any, is how many people sit in the portables on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights who are just pouring over his words and saying, God, put your word in my heart. I, I want it here. I want it here. For those who read every morning with me, just saying, you know, oh man, I, I want your word here and I want it here. For those of you doing it on your own, I don't even know about it. I'm so proud of you because you're putting it in here and you're putting it in here. You're, 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 uh, you're armoring up with truth. But so many Christians don't read the Bible at all. Man, it's dangerous. You are in a battle. You need to be armored up. You need to know the truth. And that's what Jesus said to them. He's like, it's not just truth that sets you free. I'm speaking truth this morning. It's not going to do anything for you. Unless you know it, unless you say, man, I'm taking that for me. This is the truth that I hold on to, that I'm going to know and set me free. Why? Because the lies of the enemy, they get exposed when you have a truth belt on. He can't lie to you when you know the truth. All of a sudden, temptation comes. You're like, you know what? That isn't what God wants for me. The belt of truth kicks in and a different decision is made. You know, there's the temptation. That's not going to deliver what it promises. I know that truth belt kicks in. You know, those images on the screen, they're not going to satisfy. They never have. They never will. The truth belt kicks in. That bottle won't fix my problems. It may delay them, but it won't fix them. The truth belt kicks in. You know, I don't need to do that to feel loved or accepted because I'm already loved and I'm already accepted in him. I don't need to take that step and the truth belt kicks in. You know the truth, and that truth sets you free. You know the truth who is Jesus, and he sets you free. And so as we close today, Paul wrote other letters to Jesus' followers and this idea of how to put on the belt. He wrote to the Colossians. He simply said to them, be clothed with Christ. Why? Because he's truth. Just think every, every day, Jesus, what would it look like if, if I was just surrounded by you, if I was just filled with you, because that's who you are. He says, you need to think it. You got to think about the way you're thinking. And here's what he says to the Philippians, Philippians 4.8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, which is that same word, from now on, from now on, from now on, fix your thoughts. That idea is like, fix your thoughts like concrete. Like, this is so solid, the way I'm going to think, the way I think, that nothing's changing that. Fix your thoughts on what? Because our thoughts want to go everywhere and everywhere. They're going everywhere now. Some of you are like, Tim Hortons is only seven minutes. T minus seven, and I'm off to Tim I, I can't say I know your thoughts. Some of you think I have powers I don't have. But our thoughts want to go everywhere. And he's simply saying, you know, fix your thoughts on here's what. Fix them on things that are true. Find out what's true and set your mind on that because there's always things trying to take that out. What, things that are honorable, things that are right, things that are pure and lovely and, and admirable. Think about these things. Think about how you think. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts. Armor up. Stand in truth. And I just want to say this. His word is truth. His word, the, whole, the whole Bible, the whole thing is true. But not all of it applies to you. It's not like this thing of randomly, well, I'll just scroll through the verse of the day or I'll just flip, you know, my Bible and open it up and be like, Dorcas died and they prepared her body for burial. Okay, Lord, what do I do with that? Because that's sometimes how people just decide, oh, you know, there's, there's truth in the Bible or whatever. And they just read verses out of all different places and wonder, you know, does this apply? Does this apply? Does this apply? There's some that doesn't apply to us, but there are some that do. 
The things written to the new believers, the Jesus followers, the things written uh, in, in Paul's letters to the New Testament Christians, they apply to us today as Jesus followers today. And here's what it looks like when the enemy's thoughts come in. Thoughts that say, you know what, you're past That defines you. You're always going to be a product of your decisions that you've made in the past. That abortion, that spring break, that whatever it may have been, that failed marriage, that whatever, that defines you. Truth says, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. I am new in him. That may have been true about me, but it is not anymore. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that those things are dead in Christ and I'm a new creation in him. You know, the enemy may come and say to you, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. And truth belt kicks in and says, no, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he, became, he who knew no sin became sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm not righteous because of my behavior. I'm righteous because of him and what he's done for me. And the truth belt kicks in. When those thoughts come in in the morning, you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't feel good. You look in the mirror and those thoughts, you know, you're worthless. You're no good. You're, you're, you're a nothing. Ephesians 2 begins to kick in. You know what? No, I'm, I'm his child. I'm in his family. I've been adopted in the loving arms of my heavenly father. I didn't do anything. He did it for me. He's grabbed me. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm his masterpiece, and he's not done with me yet. Philippians begins to kick in. It says, you know, I'm convinced that the work that he started in me, he will complete it in me. He's not done with me yet, and so I'm not worthless. The truth belt kicks in. God doesn't really love you. Maybe the thought, well, you know what? Romans 8 says there's absolutely nothing, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Nothing, 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 nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Truth belt kicks in. Man, what are you going to walk around with every day? Those thoughts that drag you down or the ones that, that, that just empower you to live in the truth that you know. You know, you're an addict and you always will be. Now, you know what? I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. You might try and tempt me, but I'll remember truth and the truth belt kicks in. You know, you're never going to make it through the storm, this storm in your life. You know what? Philippians 4, 6, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't need to worry about anything. But with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, I just let my request be made known to him. And it doesn't like instantly remove everything. What does it do? He says, man, I'm going to put perfect peace in your mind that's going to guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Truth belt kicks in. I don't know what your, st- I don't know what your lie is, but I know that truth will combat that every single time. I know that Paul said, man, armor up, be ready. You know, all those things come, come at you. It's like, you know what, you want to come at me, bro? I'm armored up. Let's go. I am today. I am today. Are you? And I don't say I am today because I always am. I need to be reminded of this all the time. That every morning realizing, you know what? No, I'm setting my mind on truth today. My eyes are on you, Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus followers, you are in a battle. Whether you know it or not, armor up. Armor up. And for those who are not Jesus followers here today, one final word for you. Maybe you're hearing like, what the heck was this all about? I hope there's more free coffee because, you know, what did I come for? Can I, can I just share with you real quick that Jesus, when he came to this plan, he said, you know what, I, I am the truth. He also said, I'm the way and I'm the life. No one comes to the Heavenly Father except through me, he said. He said to, to a man named uh, Nicodemus, as we read in John 3 this morning uh, in our devotions, he says, I tell you the truth, unless a person's born again, they won't see the kingdom of God. As you sit here today, maybe you thought, you know, I've been kind of doing my life my way. 
I'm the boss of me. The, The truth is you really aren't. And even if you think you are, you're never able to make it actually work. It's like you think, yeah, if I do this, it's going to bring the happiness that's missing. It's going to bring the joy that's missing. And, and it doesn't. It doesn't. And if you're honest with yourself, say, yeah, you're right. There's parts of me that I, I, wish, I, was, I wish I was different. I wish I was better. There's parts of me that, that I, I let myself down. I, I should have done or I, I wish I had are thoughts that go through your mind. And you're like, what is that? That speaks to a deeper brokenness in every single one of us. A deeper brokenness. Brokenness of this thing called sin where we bought into the lie which said we could be our own master. We bought into the lie that said, you know, I can choose what's right and I can choose what's wrong. I'll decide what's right and what's wrong. And it's just messed everything up. There's that longing on the inside that, man, if there's a real God, I want there to be. I want there to be meaning in life. I want there to be something after this life. It's there. That, that, That understanding is there, but you're not sure. Can I tell you the truth? The truth is that he is there. And he's not just there somewhere out there. He says, I want to be like a father to you. This sin stuff, it separates us. And it will only separate us as long as you let it. Because I've already paid a price for you. He says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever would put their trust in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. The wages of sin, it's death. He says, but man, I've done something. I've done something. And this morning... This morning, I believe that's why you're here. Because he's reaching for you. He's reaching for you. Young person, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Decisions made ahead of you. But this is one of the most important things you could ever consider. To ever consider. In the lies that surround us in our culture. Say, ha, keep doing it this way. Somebody's, somebody's going to succeed. Or you watch it fail, fail, fail every other time. That emptiness, that brokenness. He says, I've forgiven that if you'll reach out to me, put your trust in me. And this morning, it is as simple as that. It's not a prayer you say. It's just simply saying, you know what, I'm changing my mind about the way I think about God, about the way I think about life, the way I think about sin. God, I'm going to put my trust in you. Would you save me? And he will. And he will. And then begin to armor up with truth. You live in, a, in an age, in a culture where truth is rejected all the time. And you're only judged, you're only responsible for what you choose to believe. And I pray that you grab onto truth today. Save your life, change your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words of truth. They dig down in our hearts. They dig down to the deepest part of us. Thank you for that. Lord, thank you for doing what we couldn't do and for sending your son, for getting us out of the mess that we got ourselves into. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that as we trust in you, not in our own behavior, our own works, but simply in your grace, that you hold us now. Lord, as we walk out of this place, knowing we're going with you, that you're with us, help us keep our eyes on you this week. Help us to be reminded to be armored up with truth this week. We stand, and that after the battles we face in this week, we'll still be standing with you and for you and because of you. It's in your name I pray, amen.